are too many married couples in our society today who simply don't resolve conflict. They have huge explosive fights with nothing ever getting resolved. It's just kind of blow after blow after blow and they don't talk about it anymore. And the rest of the household just resides in that environment of a dysfunctional culture in the home. Does that hit a little too close to your home for you and your married relationship? Well, you already know that's not what God wants for families. So what does every family really need? This is From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. And today he explains the essentials in a lesson called What Every Family Needs. The message is in Pastor Jeff's series, Modern Family, God's Wisdom for Today's Families. Now you can find out more about this lesson and the series when you go to fromhisheart.org. If you have your Bible handy today, open it up to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Here's Pastor Jeff to describe in encouraging detail what every family needs. What does every family need? Every family needs a godly culture. It doesn't mean you're perfect because nobody's perfect. No person is perfect. No church is perfect. No family is perfect, but you can be godly. Three characteristics of this godly culture, what every family needs, a godly culture. Characteristic number one, this is what God wants. God wants you to have a culture of encouragement, a culture of encouragement. You're a home to be characterized by encouragement, your family characterized by encouragement. Look at verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. An environment, a culture of encouragement. Hey, every person needs encouragement. Every single person, every person in your family needs encouragement. Bible says in Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We need encouragement. God says, do it. How often do I do it? God, day after day, every single day, encourage. People need encouragement and be careful in your home especially, to speak words that build up, not words that tear down. Look at it again. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. The word for unwholesome can also be translated corrupt, bad, rotten. You can use your words to speak life, to encourage, to build up, or you can let rotten things come out of your mouth that will discourage and dishearten and tear people down. Hey, God wants you to have a culture of encouragement. Second characteristic, God wants you to have a culture of spiritual sensitivity. Look at verse 30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Circle the word grieve there. That word means to distress. It means to make sorrowful. It means to offend. It means to make uneasy. Obviously, you don't want to do that. And what we need in our homes is spiritual sensitivity. So we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and that we make our homes Holy Spirit friendly. 
which means the Holy Spirit is welcome in your home. You know, we have to decide, do I want my home to be a place that welcomes the Spirit, that is Spirit-friendly, that makes friends with God, or do I want my home, my life, to be a place that makes friends with the world? So your home needs to be Holy Spirit-friendly. And in order to do that, then you have to get rid of anything in your home that offends the Holy Spirit. I mean, you have to start doing some surgery in your home and saying, hey, I'm going to get rid of those things, anything that grieves the Spirit, anything that offends the Spirit, anything that makes the Spirit sorrowful. I don't want that because I want the Spirit to dwell in my home and to be comfortably at home in my home. And so I have to get rid of some things. You say, what things? Well, the scripture talks in chapter four about lying. Verse 24, therefore laying aside, verse 25, therefore laying aside all falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. How many homes do you think there are in our community where lying is kind of the mode? Lying is kind of the culture. Man, when you get in trouble, what does the culture of the home say? Lie, lie. And it can be subtle. Hey, when I was a kid and I first became a Christian, I began to notice, I became sensitive to the Holy Spirit who lived within me and I became sensitive to things around me. I became sensitive to how things were operating in my home. And I remembered my dad when, before the days of caller ID, when people, the phone rang and you just answered it because you didn't know who it was, right? And so you just answered it and it would be a phone solicitor. You know, phone solicitors hate caller ID because no one ever answers their call anymore, but we used to answer them. And I remember my dad would answer the phone and it would be some phone solicitor and he would say, oh, you want to speak to my father. He's not home right now. Like your father, your your father's 90 and lives in a different state. I said, you're the father. They asked us to talk to you. He said, yeah, I didn't want to talk to them. I said, just tell them you don't want to talk to them. I said, you just lied to that person. He said, I did not lie. It was a mental reservation. I call it what you want. It was a lie. You're here. You're pretending it's not you. And, And so I was like, just tell him the truth. Well, how hard is it to tell the guy the truth? You don't even know the guy. He's just somebody from India or wherever he is from, you know, calling you up, wanting you to buy slippers or whatever they're selling. But it's just little things like that. You know, how much in our home do we, we just tell lies. Hey, speak the truth. And if you got lies, get rid of those things. How about this? How about pornography? What what do you do if you have pornographic materials in your house? You say, well, I got them hidden. They're out in the garage. You think the Holy Spirit's friendly with that? You think the Holy Spirit feels comfortable with that stuff in your home? Of course not. Get it out. Get it out of your home. How about the music we listen to? You say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's just, it's, it's minor. Hey, is it Holy Spirit friendly? Be careful. And if you're listening to stuff like that, get rid of it. Get rid of anything like that. Songs that take God's name in vain. Songs filled with vulgarities and, and cuss words and things like that. Don't let that pump into your brain. We got to get serious. If we're going to have a culture of sensitivity to the Spirit, we got to get rid of those things that the Holy Spirit says, that's offending me. That's making me uncomfortable. That is hurting my heart. I'm not going to hang around with that. In the book of Acts, 
when Paul was in Ephesus. He led these people to the Lord and they were so serious and they came out of a pagan background, black magic, and these people had black magic books where they could learn their incantations and how to summon up demons and demonic power and things like that. And they recognized that this is of the devil. And they took all that stuff and they gathered it and they had a huge bonfire because they said, we're ridding our lives and our homes of this material. And the scripture says it was worth 50,000 pieces of silver. It was a valuable amount of stuff. They didn't sell it in a garage sale. They burned it. They got rid of it. And the Lord was glorified. Hey, God wants you to have a culture of encouragement in your home. He wants you to have a culture of spiritual sensitivity in your home. And thirdly, God wants you to have a culture of kindness and forgiveness. So critical. Look what he says in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Those are all bad things. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Now look in verse 31, all bitterness. Bitterness is a smoldering resentment and wrath and anger. That's blowing up, losing it blowing your top. Clamor is noisy complaint. It's just irritating. It's fingernails on a chalkboard. It's when you go into some homes and there's just screaming taking place in the home. When I was a kid growing up, uh, some of my friends that I used to play with, you'd go in their home and that's how they communicated with one another. The mother, she had like five, six kids. She would just scream at them. And the kids learned the culture. That's how you communicate in our home. And they screamed back. Well, I wasn't used to that. I was used to, my dad's not home right now. You know, I was used to that, where you just kind of lie your way through. And uh, so I was, I was like, whoa, this is weird. I would never yell at my mom like that. And she would never yell at me like that. Just noisy complaint, clamor, and slander. That's the word for the devil. He's the slanderer. He's the one that speaks evil of you and me to God. Put that away from you along with all malice. Malice is to plot and think evil of others. Those are all bad things. Not a home that you want to have those things in. God says, I, I want you to have a home, a, a life, church, characterized by kindness and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Oh, I want that to be what characterizes your home. Now, you know, when you find a person in verse 31 who's bitter, you know how it is when somebody's bitter? They just have a sour, cynical disposition on life. And you find someone who is bitter and know this, that person is hurting somewhere, sometime in their life, someone hurt them, hurt them deeply. Maybe they told them Boy, you're so stupid, you couldn't pour water out of a boot. Maybe that got ingrained in them over and over and over, and they're resentful of that person who said that, and bitterness has set in. And see, here's the progression. When you're hurt, that hurt turns to anger. And when you're angry and you don't resolve the anger, the anger goes to resentment and goes to bitterness. And so when you see a person who is so bitter and so sour and so mean, 
That person's been hurt and has never dealt with it. And so often we have homes where people get married and this person's been hurt and they've never dealt with it. And that person's been hurt and they never dealt with it. Well, let's get married. And so I can dump all my hurt on you and you can deal with it. And the, the, the other one says, well, I'll dump all my hurt on you and you'll deal with it. And they come together and they, oh man, it's an ungodly culture. Hey, the Lord says, forgive, set a, set an environment of kindness and forgiveness. Be quick to make wrongs right. That's what we need in our homes. Now, if I wrong you, I need to be quick to make it right. Look at Ephesians chapter four, verses 26 and 27. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Do not give the devil a tapas is the Greek. Tapos means, it's from our English, we get our English word topography from that word that's translated in New American Standard, opportunity. It literally means a place. Don't give the devil a place. If you let the sun go down on your anger and you don't deal with stuff in your family, you give, and in your life, you give the devil a place. You say, this is what I want to come in here and the devil will come in. You give him a place and he'll come in. And any place and every place where the devil comes in, he turns it into a garbage dump. He turns it into verse 31, where it's full of bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice. Man, he takes home sweet home and he just ruins it. And so much of the time we have homes like that, it's because we don't make things right. We don't resolve conflict. We let the sun go down on our anger. Now listen, when it comes to forgiveness, there is the offender, and there is the offended. When you have conflict, somebody did something to hurt your feelings, and so you might be the one hurting people's feelings, or you might be the one receiving the hurt. There's the offender and the offended. With forgiveness for the offender, humbly seek forgiveness. That's what offenders need to do. Man, I hurt your feelings. I hurt your feelings. Wife, I hurt your feelings. Husband, I hurt your feelings. Daughter, I hurt your feelings. Son, I hurt your feelings. Stepson, I hurt your feelings. Stepdaughter, I hurt your feelings. Stepmom, I'm the offender. What does the offender do? You humbly ask and seek for forgiveness. I mean, there has to be from the heart. And I'm so sorry. I hurt you. I realize that. And I feel that hurt in, that I inflicted in your heart. I feel it in my heart. Please forgive me. And when someone does that, it makes such a difference. When dads do that with their kids, it makes such a difference. Here's the sad truth. So many dads don't ever do that. They never humble themselves. Well, I'm the dad. So what? You're the dad. You're the offender in this situation. Make things right. Ephesians 6, 4, it says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. You know one of the ways that dads can provoke their children to anger? They hurt their feelings and they never make it right. They never humbly seek forgiveness, even from a little child. Your child wants to forgive you. If you'll ask them, if you'll humbly seek that. So the offender needs to humbly seek forgiveness. And for the offended, they need to graciously grant forgiveness. When someone humbly seeks it, graciously grant it. And even if they don't humbly seek it, because you can't control another person, but you can still 
grant forgiveness. See, forgiveness is for the person who is offended. Forgiveness frees you. You can't make a person who wronged you. You can't make them apologize to you, but you can let it go. You can let it go. And how wonderful when someone does seek forgiveness, you can graciously grant forgiveness. The word for forgiveness that's used in verse 32 is the word charizma, and it means to show oneself gracious and forgive. That's the way God is. He says, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you, God is full of charizma. He graciously forgives you and me. By his grace, he does that. And so the offended needs to grant forgiveness. You say, well, Jeff, I have trouble with that. Hey, join the club. I do too. I do too. It'll ruin your heart if you hold on to bitterness. It'll just ruin your heart. You become an awful, sour person that nobody wants to be around. You got to get that out. You got to get that out so the Lord can work through you. Jesus said, if you don't forgive men their transgressions, my father won't forgive you. You're in deep trouble if you don't forgive. Let me tell you how you forgive. You remember how much you've been forgiven. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You want to have power to forgive? You say, well, this person sexually abused me. They physically abused me. They cheated me in a business deal. I lost my shirt because of what they did. They lied about me and I lost my job. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever it might be. I'm not minimizing that. But how do you deal with that? How do you forgive? You remember how much he's forgiven you. Whatever someone has done to you, you've done so much more to God. God in Christ also has forgiven you. A culture of encouragement, culture of spiritual sensitivity, a culture of kindness and forgiveness. It makes all the difference in the world. Many years ago, the New York Times published a piece that talked about two families, a family who was known for godliness and a family who was known for ungodliness. It was the family of Jonathan Edwards and the family of Max Jukes. They were both born in the 1700s. Jonathan Edwards married his love named Susan. Jonathan Edwards, as you remember, he was the great preacher during the first great awakening in the 1700s. Jonathan Edwards preached the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, which is a famous, famous sermon. Jonathan and Susan Edwards had 11 kids, and they had a godly culture in their home. They conducted their lives based on the Word of God. They conducted their homes based on the Word of God. Godly culture. Max Jukes, ungodly guy. Max Jukes just living for himself. Max Jukes, uh, not a Christian. Max Jukes uh, didn't care about following God. He just cared about gratifying self. Well, they had families. And there was a study done on their descendants, hundreds of descendants, people who came from Edward's line, people who came from Jukes' line. They said, what's the difference? Let's see what happened with these people. Max Jukes' descendants, seven were murderers, 60 were thieves, 100 were alcoholics, 67 of them had venereal disease, 50 of the women were prostitutes, 130 were convicts, 310 were paupers, 300 physically wrecked by indulgent living. 
The Jukes family and descendants cost the state more than $1.2 million in that day and that time's money. Cost the state that to take care of the Jukes because they were so delinquent. Not the case for Jonathan and Susan Edwards. With their hundreds of descendants, one was a U.S. vice president, three were U.S. senators, three were governors, three were mayors, 13 were college presidents, 30 were judges, 65 were professors, 80 were public office holders, 100 were lawyers, and 100 were missionaries. Wow. What made the difference? A godly culture. A godly culture. And you know what's so wonderful? Jonathan and Susan Edwards, they don't have a monopoly on a godly culture. What they had, what they did for their 11 kids, you can have and you can do. God wants to do that in and through your life. Will you start today doing family God's way? You're listening to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve today with this question for you. Are you able to truthfully say that your home is one with godly influence? As was the case in the two homes Pastor Jeff just mentioned, the culture of your home, whether godly or ungodly, can positively or negatively affect many generations to come. Well, we hope that today's lesson has helped you see the essential things that every family needs in order to have a godly home. Today's message is one of six in Pastor Jeff's series, Modern Family, God's Wisdom for Today's Families. And you can get a copy of this when you go online to fromhisheart.org. Now, the truth is this. If Christian homes are not following God's design, there's little hope that the homes will be healthy and happy. We have Jesus, and He needs to be present in all we say, do, and think within our family. Pastor Jeff has put together a new eight-message series that can help you do just that. It's called The Divine Design, God's Plan for Marriage and Family. Now, these are life and family-changing messages for today's challenging times. It's available on CDs, DVDs, USB flash drive, or digital download when you make a special gift of support this month from his heart. And when you do that, we'll also send you Pastor Jeff's timely booklet, before you say, I do. Both the booklet and the Divine Design series for your support of any amount this month. It's available in multiple formats. Our impact is multiplying each day thanks to faithful supporters like you who are helping us extend this broadcast ministry around the world. If God has blessed you through From His Heart, will you consider a gift today to help us continue to grow this outreach from which Pastor Jeff receives no income? He's our chief volunteer. Call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, or simply go online to fromhisheart.org and request these resources. And thank you for joining with us to reach a lost and a hurting world. If you'd like a free MP3 of today's broadcast or any broadcast, you can go online to fromhisheart.org and you can download it there. Just click the Listen tab. Well, I'm Larry Nobles with a big thank you for joining us today and trusting you'll be here again next time when Pastor Jeff will have the next lesson in his Modern Family series. That's right here on From His Heart. There is truth, there is truth, there is love, there is love.
His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember that no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out about that. Go to fromhisheart.org.